0: Aloha, how's it? Welcome to the Ghost Lore of Hawaii podcast. I am your host, Jared, or as my parents call me, eh, boy. If this is your first time joining us for the bonfire on our virtual beach, I cover the paranormal happenings that go down in the aloha state. Old Uncle Jared, ugh. I thought we stopped the third person references. Has been sober these past several months. Working on my beach bod. But please help yourself to some green bottles in that cooler over there. And for those who indulge, feel free to spark up that paranormal pākalolo. Quick reminder, the Ghost Lore of Hawaii Patreon is now live at patreon.com slash ghost lore of Hawaii. I'm a one person show So your contribution really goes a long way in keeping the podcast going strong. So enough of the chit chat. There's plenty of time to talk story later. Sit back, get comfortable, and let's get into this. There are many superstitions found in Hawai'i's culture, many of which are still followed to this day. One popular belief is that bringing bananas on a boat causes bad luck. Many old fishermen, uh, fisher people, fisher them, still avoid bringing bananas any time they go out on the water. A related superstition is to never say you're going fishing. Instead, many locals say that they're going holo-holo, cruise around. The superstition is that the fish will hear the plans and won't bite your hook. Holo-holo and fishing are used synonymously throughout Hawaii. Another popular superstition, as mentioned in Episode 3, Pele's Curse, is to not take rocks or sand away from the islands. By doing so, you unleash bad luck and misfortune upon yourself until the lava rocks are returned. However, many have learned Pohaku rocks don't even need to leave the islands for a curse to be released. Believers say by simply moving a rock, whether it's taking one home, or moving it a few feet in a new location, shifts its energy, which can trigger strange occurrences. Tonight I'll be covering a few stories involving victims who unknowingly altered a rock's mana spiritual power, and the repercussions they faced soon after. I'll conclude the episode with a listener-submitted story involving a haunting in a new home that all began from the simple act of rearranging a rock from its original resting spot. Much like the ivi bones of the deceased, certain pohaku rocks also contain mana spiritual power. Similarly, like the belief that remains of Hawaiian royalty contain more mana than that of commoners, there are specific rocks that hold more energy than others. Some rocks can contain akua or kupua, Supernatural beings that are worshipped like a demigod. These pohaku are carved into animals such as honu turtles, mano sharks, mo'o lizards, and even faces. Uh, faces. These rocks were worshipped and prayed to by Hawaiians, but not all rocks need to be carved into faces or animals. In order for them to hold power, this next tale, based from a story from Glenn Grant's book, Obake Files, tells of the serious consequences a family on Lana'i suffered after bringing a seemingly harmless rock into their home. A family comprised of two girls and three boys came across a peculiar shaped rock while out on a picnic on the east coast of Lanai. The siblings were exploring a tide pool searching for shells and hermit crabs when the eldest boy noticed a small triangular shaped rock in the shallow water. The smooth shape of the four-inch, angular rock made it stand out from the jagged lava rocks surrounding it. The teen picked up the rock to take a closer look. Oh, this one's just right, he said to himself. His younger siblings rushed around him, curious of what he had just found. Oh, Alexi, it's just on rock. One of the sisters said, dismissively, as she left the circle to return hunting for seashells. Yeah, but it's the perfect shape for as when doors stop. Every time we leave the door open for cool down the house, the wind always slams it shut. This going to keep them open. He brought the rock home and tested it out. He opened the wooden door behind the screen door, and placed the triangular-shaped rock in front of it. The narrow section of the rock wedged perfectly under the heavy door, propping it open. The airflow caused by the open door immediately cooled the interior of the hot home. See, told you. Every morning, The teen would open the door and kick the pohaku rock in its place to secure it open. Then, in the evening, when temperatures were cooler, he'd kick the wedged stone out from under the door as the wind slammed it shut. Eh, stop slamming doors. Eventually, the entire family all began using the rock as a doorstop. Their father got a job as a roofer, and every morning, he'd kick the stone in place before leaving. Whoever was the last person home in the evenings would kick the rock free and locked the door for the night. Whoever was sweeping the floors would kick the rock aside, no need bend over. Then, once the cleaning was finished, they'd kick it back in its place and sweep all the dust out of the open door. It's funny how a simple tool can improve a household. That was until the injuries started. First, one sibling broke several bones in his foot while playing soccer. Ah, ah. Then, the mother broke her toe when she accidentally kicked the coffee table when ah, rushing f- to answer the phone. God, Hello. Innocent enough, but then, over the next several months... Everyone in the family began suffering broken bones. One brother slipped while fishing and broke his ankle. A sister fell from the tree in their backyard and suffered a compound fracture. The broken bone in her leg jetting out of the skin. As the ambulance was leaving the driveway to take her to the hospital, it backed over the foot of the eldest, crushing it. There were broken shin bones, knee bones, thigh bones, finally culminating in the broken back of their father after he fell from a roof while on the job. My back. The string of unfortunate injuries baffled the mother, who then paid a visit to her priest in hopes of getting answers, but limped home after being told by the priest he didn't know what to do. The daughters went to see an odaisan, a Japanese exorcist who also was at a loss of a solution. Finally, someone in the community referred the family to a kahuna. The Hawaiian woman knew immediately the source of misfortune came from the cursed stone they had been kicking. She informed the family that everyone who had kicked the pohaku was being punished by the spirit that followed them home. She instructed the family to take the cursed rock back to the spot the eldest brother had found it. After returning the Pohaku, the incidents of the family's broken bones stopped. Spooky, eh? Not all stories of sacred rocks involve spirits that follow you home. This next tale, told by a retired U.S. Army engineer, suggests some rocks are not the inanimate objects they seem to be. Uh -uh. Many Pohaku may have a life of their own. Back in the early 1950s, during the construction of a road at the Schofield Barracks, the U.S. Army base in central Oahu, contractors were busy leveling a section in the back of the base. As the crew cleared the overgrown grass in the area, they stumbled upon a large rock coming out of the ground in the projected pathway of the road. At first, contractors used bulldozers in an attempt to move the rock, but found it was impossible to budge. They tried manually digging down and around the rock to loosen it, then connected chains to tractors to tow it out of the ground. But again, the rock would not move. The engineer figured, like an iceberg, the section of rock jetting out of the ground was just the tip, and the base was buried deep underground. The only solution left was to use dynamite to blow the huge boulder to pieces. The detonation was scheduled for the following morning. However, what they found when they returned to the site at sunrise the next day shocked them. We drove up to the location with the dynamite and saw the boulder we'd spent all day trying to move was on the side of the road, out of the ground, and away from the designated path. Here's the even stranger part. Behind the rock was a long, dragging trail in the ground. Uh, it was like the Pohaku had literally crawled out of the hole, like the rock wanted to avoid being blown up. I don't believe in ghosts. I'm as skeptical as they come, but I've never been able to explain it. The engineer concluded his interview Reiterating how immovable the boulder was, they spent the entire day attempting it, which already put them behind schedule. No one else had been on site once the crew left, and even if more workers had shown up, all the machinery they used couldn't budge the Pohaku. Pohaku. Yet when we got there that morning, there it was. The Pohaku on the side of the road. What? Crazy, yeah? Another similar tale involving a large boulder a work crew encountered at a quarry was reported by Bob Krause in the Honolulu Advertiser in the late 1980s. During construction, the foreman of the crew decided to move the rock to free up some space in the area the rock had been. Using a bulldozer, they managed to push the large stone to the side, flipping it over in the process from then on, the site experienced multiple strange events. One day, a supervisor parked his truck in the area he normally did. He got out of the pickup And began walking over to the foreman to discuss a few work-related issues he hadn't made it more than several feet when he was startled by a loud crashing sound directly behind him when he turned around to face the sound to his shock the truck lay on its side oh no 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 my baby no machinery was near the truck And the ground it was parked on was flat, but it had still flipped itself over. Another worker was on his lunch break, seated under the canopy of a nearby tree. Ah, starving. As he took a bite of the sandwich he packed for lunch, he bit down on something hard, (coughs) cracking one of his molars. In pain, he spit out the bloody bite. Along with pieces of his tooth was a smooth pebble about the size of a grape, hidden within the sandwich. The worker had made the sandwich himself, which he kept in a cooler that was locked in his vehicle. He had no idea how a rock that large could have mistakenly got past him as he assembled the meal. The final incident that caused the foreman to call a kahuna to bless the site happened to him firsthand. The foreman had a one-inch thick metal rod that was 20 feet in length that he was using to measure the depth of the sinkholes on the worksite. He stuck the rod down into one of the holes and marked it at about 18 feet. He began pulling the metal rod up and out of the dark hole. When the last three feet emerged, he threw the pole down while falling backwards in disbelief. The last several feet of the pole was twisted and snarled like one pretzel. Now I had this rod in my hand the entire time and I never feel nothing. No tension, no jerking. I literally just went puincai, marked how deep the puka was and retrieved it back up. This thing was one inch thick, solid metal. You know how hard someone would have to hold onto it in order for it to be bent even just a little bit? Super duper hard. After that I went call a kahu. The Hawaiian priest came to the site and began the process of blessing the location. During his prayers, he stopped by the large stone and asked the foreman if they had moved the boulder during the construction. Yeah, we went push him over there to where I stayed now. Was in the way. Did you huli turn over the pōhaku when you moved it? Asked the kahuna. Yeah, we wouldn't flip him over when we moved it. That's the problem, the kahu said. He informed the foreman that a kupua spirit had been living inside the rock for many years. For generations, it looked out at the ocean and enjoyed the site it had occupied. The kupua allowed the crew to move it to a new location where the ocean view was still visible. But when you guys moved him, you wouldn't flip him over on his head. Now he's upside down and no can see nothing. He cannot see the ocean, the sky, or anything else. Poho! The kahuna instructed the foreman, the pohaku would need to be flipped back over to its original side, and apologies must be made. The foreman returned with the kahuna and several sleep-deprived crew members and returned the rock to its correct side. Offerings of kava, ulu, and fish were also left near the pohaku, and the crew never had any problems on the site again. Ooh, chicken skin, kind things. All right. As promised, this last story is a listener-submitted tale that takes place back in the 90s. What started off as an exciting move into a new home slowly turned into a series of creepy events seemingly triggered by the simple act of moving a Pohaku found in the garden. Luisa and her parents had just moved into a beautiful, one story house in Kaneohe on the island of Oahu. The three bedroom, two bathroom home meant she'd have her very own room, which at first scared the four year old. But after learning she could choose the paint color for the walls, Luisa's fear quickly changed to excitement. She picked pastel yellow. The first week of the move was hectic, even for the young girl. Most of her favorite clothes were still packed in boxes, which gave her the feeling the outfits were gone forever. They weren't. Lots of strangers' neighbors randomly stopped by with snacks like malasadas, manju, or mochi, Are people always going to be giving us desserts now that we're in this house? Luisa asked her mom, not familiar with the custom of welcome gifts from the neighbors. A few days after the move, Luisa's father was outside checking the different plants growing around the home. In the back corner of the garden, he noticed several lava rocks placed around a few odd-looking plants, if you could call them plants. Out of the ground emerged three stalks, roughly two feet tall and an inch wide. The parents could not figure out what type of plant it was due to the lack of leaves and flowers. The ends of the stalks grew dark buds that had a hint of magenta coloring, but nothing sprouted from those buds. Assuming the bolohead bald plant was a weed, Luisa's dad began spraying it with weed killer. Yet the plant didn't die. It actually seemed to be getting stronger. The buds began slowly growing taller in length until sprouting into dark purple and magenta leaves. The four shoebox-sized lava rocks that were surrounding the stalks of the plants were configured in a way that seemed intentional. But the family couldn't figure out what shape or structure was intended Luisa's dad picked up one of the taller rocks to inspect, then tossed it back down next to the plant. Huh, weird. Little did the family know, this small alteration of the rock would be the start of the weird events that would soon begin happening. Come on, let's get dinner started. Can't we have dino nuggies? At first, the events were minor. The family would find cupboards and closets rearranged. Now, where did I leave that? All the socks in a drawer would be found with the colors mismatched. Or a single shoe would go missing for days. Where is that other shoe? Then reappear in a bed tucked under the sheets or at the top of the staircase. Things from the freezer would be found melted in a bathroom drawer. Huh? What the heck are these dino nuggets doing here? Or all the spice containers in a cupboard would be found flipped upside down. Huh? Sliding drawers seem to always be left open, even after the parents installed child locks. Ow! At first... Luisa's parents thought she was just being kolohe mischievous and playing kid games. Oh, that girl. But many of the moved items would appear in areas a four-year-old wouldn't be able to reach. As time went on, activity within the home gradually intensified. One of Luisa's father's hobbies was raising fish in a large fish tank he kept in the home. He took meticulous care of these fish, with Luisa describing them as his pride and joy, next to her of course. Then, more and more, the family would return home to find the fish flopping around on the ground even securing the lid of the tank shut with heavy bricks could not stop the fish from escaping. Then came the Shadow People. In supernatural lore, Shadow People are described as a patch of shadow resembling humanoid figures that are interpreted as the presence of spirits or other entities. Often, they'd appear as a flash of movement in someone's peripherals, but can also be witnessed head-on. Luisa's mother began seeing flickers of movement in the corner of her eye, but would turn to find nothing there. Her husband would be watering flowers they had planted outside and see a blur of motion like someone sprinting through the yard, only to find himself alone. When Luisa and her mother were by themselves in the house, The young child would often see someone pass by the door of her room. Daddy's home! She'd shout, causing her mother great unease, knowing her husband was still at work. No, that's not daddy. She'd say, attempting to hide the fear in her voice. Come on, let's go play outside. The two would remain outdoors, until Luisa's father did return home, the sightings only continued to get worse. Her father began seeing two dark figures, smaller in stature, peeking around the corners of the house. He'd rush around the corner only to find an empty hallway or room sightings of figures being seen peeking around corners are one of the most common reported sightings of shadow people something then began to target Louisa herself one night her father found the young girl hiding under her bed, whimpering. What are you doing down there? he asked the terrified girl. Louisa told him something kept trying to steal her blanket. She was awoken by a tugging at her sheet. But when she sleepily looked around, She was alone. Then, suddenly, the covers were yanked off, frightening her as she retreated under the bed. Not too long after that incident, Luisa's mom had just put her daughter down to sleep. She headed to the main bedroom and quickly dozed off herself. While in a state of half sleep, Luisa's mother began to dream of a young boy. The boy was described as being of Hawaiian descent, dark, tanned skin, wearing a malo loincloth. The handsome young boy spoke to the mother, informing her, Luisa. Was falling off of the bed. In the dream state, Luisa's mother dismissed what the boy was telling her. Then, out of nowhere, he angrily lunged at her, shouting, She's falling off the bed! startling the mother awake. She rushed to Luisa's room just in time to catch her daughter from falling and hitting the ground. Several weeks later, the parents were in the kitchen finishing up dinner while Luisa played in her room alone. They then began hearing the child in conversation as if she was interacting with someone. They heard talking and laughing like Louisa was no longer by herself. The child had never gone through the imaginary friend stage and never talked to herself. The frightened parents rushed to the room thinking an intruder had broken in. The bedroom door slammed open as they barged into the room only to find Louisa sitting alone on the floor in front of the open closet door. Mommy, Daddy, you scared my friend away. Louisa described the friend to her parents, explaining he was a young boy with something on his face. The description of the boy filled the parents with unease. Something on his face? He likes the closets. As weeks went on, however, Louisa began referring to this unseeable friend as the monster which was when the real concern for the parents set in. This all began to be too much for Luisa's father, who urged his wife to do something about the activity. Me? She first called a Catholic priest from the neighborhood, who stopped by offering prayer. At first, the hauntings subsided for a few days, but quickly returned in full force. The mother then called a Buddhist priest to bless the home, and like the Catholic priest, the blessing seemed to work, but only for a few days. The hauntings always seemed to return soon after. Finally, the mother asked a Hawaiian friend about a kahu that had assisted in a similar situation. The kahu helped remove a negative energy that plagued the friend's house, so the mother hoped the same could be done for her family's home. The kahu agreed to assist the family and arranged a date for the blessing. Although Louisa couldn't remember much of the hauntings due to her young age at the time of the events, she does vividly remember the day her family picked up the kahu. It was overcast and humid, dark clouds hung over the ocean, hinting at rain. A middle-aged Hawaiian man was waiting for them in his driveway, dressed in an orange top and a red pareo sarong, wrapped around his bottom half. When he got into the car, He didn't speak a word to Luisa or her parents. He just sat in silence until they reached the home. Her father explained to the kahu all the events they'd experienced and the timeline of when it all started. He even mentioned the weird rocks and weeds that were found growing in the corner of the garden. The Hawaiian man entered the home and immediately began the blessing. He chanted in Hawaiian while spritzing the inside of the home using a tea leaf and salt water. When the kahu got to Luisa's room, he paused for a second. This is bad, he said, turning to the parents, then entered the room and continued with the chanting. Once he completed blessing the entire house, he told the family, Everything should be okay now. Then went into the explanation of what he sensed was going on. The event that triggered the paranormal activity was Luisa's father moving the Pohaku rock in the garden. The Kahu explained the odd rock structure was a portal for the spirits. When the one rock was altered, it opened the portal to the home, allowing spirits and other things to enter our world. The plant Luisa's father thought was a weed was actually a red tea leaf plant placed there to protect the house. Although the most common tea leaf plants found in Hawaii are green, there is a red variation as well. Tea leaf plants have been used for hundreds of years by Hawaiians for a multitude of purposes. It was eaten as food, used as medicine, woven into roofs, capes, lays, and are extremely important in religious ceremonies. Islanders often plant the sacred tea leaves near homes to ward off bad energy. One ancient belief is to throw a tea leaf into a body of water before swimming. If the tea leaf floats, the water is safe to swim in. If it sinks, something evil occupies the water, and swimming should be avoided. The plant in the family garden looked weird because it had been split into three different parts, with each section meant to protect each of the three bedrooms of the house. The kahu rearranged the pohaku that had been moved and instructed the family to take care of the tea leaf plant. The key Hawaiian for tea leaf, will continue to protect you. The stronger the plant gets. Eh, no poison, man. As the parents got ready to take the kahu home, they quietly asked what he had sensed while in Luisa's bedroom. The Hawaiian said long ago, something was buried deep underground below the home, then turned to continue packing the items he brought for the blessing. Not quite satisfied with the answer, the parents asked for more clarification. You do not want to know what's under your house. That response gave both the parents chicken skin and was enough to drop the topic. But no worry. You guys should be fine now. After the Kahu's visit, all activity within the home stopped. They no longer saw the shadow people and Luisa did not see her invisible friend-slash-the-monster again. Her father's fish no longer escaped the aquarium, and items within the home stopped going missing. Like I mentioned earlier, Louisa doesn't remember a lot of the events during this time. With most of this information being provided by her parents. But certain points, like the kahu's attire and him sitting in silence during the car ride, stuck out. Thinking back on these events, Luisa suspects the kahu was referencing an ancient Hawaiian grave as the thing buried under the home. She thinks it's most likely the grave of the friend ghost she played with during this time. From the best of her knowledge, the child she saw was about 10 years old. However, the apparition, dressed in the mallow loincloth, which appeared in her mother's dream, was a teenage boy, which makes me wonder... Is this the same spirit, or an entirely different entity altogether? Her father would see two shadowy figures peeking around the corners of their home. Would this mean there are multiple grave sites on the property? Or was this an unrelated spirit who passed through the open portal made by the lava rocks? If that's the case, who else, or what else, passed through? Luisa's family has since moved out of that home. And no, Luisa is not her real name. When she submitted the story, she asked if I could change her name and the location of the home still located on Oahu, since another family currently resides there. Do you think they've experienced anything? At least they have the tea leaf growing in the garden to protect them. Well, maybe. Let's just hope the Pohaku hasn't been moved. I want to give a special shout out to Nancy for s- Oops. Nah, just joking. That's not her name. I want to give a special shout out to the listener who submitted this story. You know who you are. She gave a very detailed outline of all the events she and her family went through, which gave me chicken skin the first time reading it. Moving into a new home and experiencing something supernatural, can be very frightening. Just the fact of being in an unfamiliar environment can be spooky enough. Where's the bathroom? Throw in shadow people and mismatched socks, and you got yourself a horror movie. Why am I like this? I want to thank all the listeners who signed up for the Ghost Lore of Hawai'i Patreon. I've been overwhelmed with the flood of contributions in these early days of the Patreon. Patrons in the Pele tier get their names shouted out in the show notes, and Obake and Kanaka tier patrons get an in-episode shout-out. There's also a Menehune tier available that gets members access to all the bonus and early release episodes on Patreon as well. So a special thank you to the following patrons. Thank you Kit Friday, Cynthia klepang Whose listener's story was a part of the episode Death on the Road to Hana? My buddy Ann Lee from episode 5. What up, Ann Lee? Shout out to Andrea, always sharing the pod on Instagram. Thank you to Christy and Lily. If you go to my Instagram, ghostlore.ov.hawaii, Lily made a couple of drawings of the Ghostlore of Hawaii logo that I posted not too long ago. Check it out. Thank you to Maddie M, who's always sharing and supporting on Facebook. Thanks, Matt. And shout out to Jordan Burnett. Jordan is also repping the podcast on IG as well. Check out the shout out section in the show notes for all the Pele Tier patrons. And there's also a link at GhostLoreOfHawaii.com that lists all patrons. To become a member head to patreon.com slash Hawaii. I cannot thank you enough as it all helps out tremendously. This podcast is a full-time plus overtime gig, so any and all support plays a huge impact. Lastly, shout out to Travis and Chris from Repod. Travis is the founder of Repod, the listening app I've partnered with. And Chris is always sharing Ghost Lore of Hawai'i on the Repod app. Thanks, guys. If you have a topic or story you'd like to share on the podcast, you can email me at ghostlore.of.hawaii at gmail.com. Thank you to all who have emailed in. I love hearing from you, and your words of encouragement are like shotgunning a Red Bull for my creative juices. Weird analogy. Have friends or family who might be interested in Ghost Lore of Hawaii, but don't use a listening app like Spotify or Repod? Maybe they don't even know what a podcast is. Send them over to ghostloreofhawaii.com, and they can listen to any episode straight from the site. Although my intent is to keep all facts and historical information as accurate as possible, I cannot always guarantee it will be. I make mistakes too sometimes. If there's a topic you find interesting, please look into it on your own. There's so much information, I cannot always fit into one episode. Some names and locations may be altered for privacy's sake. Came across a peculiar, peculiar, came across a peculiar, peculiar, always with this word. Would find cupboards, cup, cupboards, cupboards, cupboards. What is wrong with me? Cupboard, cupboard cupboards, cupboards. Would find cupboards. He took meticulous, meticulous, meticulous. He took meticulous, meticulous meticulous are not the the inanimate inanim inanimate in inanimate Inanimate. why does that sound weird inanim in inanimate (laughs) inanimate